As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Three Lions, the AI Alan Smith 2022 remix. EastEnders getting in on the World Cup act. Lionel Messi pretending not to know about his latest landmark. Which slightly baffling 1990s one-hit wonders of FIFA got up their sleeves for us next? Have we ever stopped to wonder if the third-place playoff counts as a knockout game for data purposes? What's the threshold for a tournament year to earn an and-all-that? And the least cool Brazilian footballer name ever seen. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 214 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel today is David Walker. First of all, how's it going? Very well, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. And alongside you for this one is James Moore, your World Cup 2022 debut on Clichés. How's things? Yeah, very good, thank you. Tournament really... Really getting into gear now, I sense. Um, I don't think it's too premature for us to do this. I've got a little audio treat for you, actually. This is the latest version of Three Lions, remixed by me. This is um, Three Lions, the artificial intelligence Alan Smith remix. (laughs) Goal. He shoots. It's a goal. England has won the first point in the game. He shoots. It's a goal. It's not looking good for Senegal as England scores for the second time. Soccer shoots. It's a goal. It's not looking good for Senegal as England scores for the third time after a shot by the In 26 years' time, there's going to be a football podcast where they're going to be desperately trying to find where those clips came from. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, and I'm never going to send out the YouTube link, so uh, no one will ever be able to find it. But um, but pretty evocative stuff, though, James, right? Yeah, it's really I'm really into it now. Suddenly, this World Cup has really begun now for me, yeah. much, emotionally. I, I'm starting to fear that the uh, AI Alan Smith bubble has burst here, Dave. There's not much variety going on there, is there? No. So you've got that from the uh, the game that they, mm. they've posted that on, on their link, right? Yeah. I, I would like it. To, I don't know whether we could do this but you know with these ai things i've got a couple of mates who into all this sort of stuff and they they sort of they've been sending they sort of send me stuff sometimes it's like i you can like tell an ai to like make you like put thing you can feed stuff into an ai and see what it comes out with basically so could you could you tell the ai to get alan smith to actually record a football a world cup football song and see what see what it comes out with Uh, (laughs) i have no idea and um worth looking get your mates on it if possible yeah and see what the algorithms will spit out. But um, as it stands, fairly evocative piece of work. Um, bit worried about um, his pronunciation of uh, Bukayo Saka, though, James. Bukayo Soccer, or yeah. as we call him, Bukayo Football. <laughs> I, I was briefly flummoxed by that. Is there, yeah. is there Christmas number one potential in this? Yeah, hopefully. My, my theory for a while, and I think I mentioned this to you before, is that Hey Jude is going to be Christmas number one, right, for obvious mm. reasons. Ooh. But actually, this is clever, though, isn't it? You can't yeah. bet on it, though, which is annoying. Well, not that we would bet on anything related to football, of course. No. But that, I, I like Does that. count? Not really related to football, is it? Music. That's a good point. Yeah, that's <laughs> that true. Our contract, that is true, but it, it, is, it yeah. is in relation to football. Yeah, so maybe, it spirals yeah. off. So, I don't know. Yeah. Next up, always my favourite moment of a major tournament. This is EastEnders facing the age-old challenge of getting some hyper-topical football chat into an everyday scenario. Let's see how they uh, managed it. Mitch, what about Rashford's goal? Tell me, man. Aye. Tell me. Go on Sunday. Coming on. Coming on, baby. You want to come on? (laughs) Just what about Rashford's goal? I mean, I mean, would you say that, Dave? Because it was a free kick, so. You couldn't just say, well, what about Rashford's goal? He wouldn't do it. Mm. Just wouldn't Score, do it. He scored twice, didn't he? Which which goal are you talking <laughs> oh, about? Good point also. They certainly weren't talking about the second goal, were they? So come on. Yeah. I, I, and they, I know they must record, you know, they must, they obviously, they do record the episodes quite close to, to broadcast or whatever. Mm. But also does have a little bit of a feel of like, how many takes did they do? What yeah, about Kane's goal, eh? What about <laughs> Bellingham's goal? Yeah. And it could only have been... Senegal, Ecuador, Netherlands. They do know the permutations, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's be clear here. They have recorded it with with the full knowledge of England. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. Of... um, of England cruising past Wales, but um, James, I mean, this is probably probably quite a good, quite an enjoyable scene for them to film. It's like, right, we could we we need to need to do a uh, really really topical football bit for the next couple of days. Can, can you sort of think of something to say? I mean, it's probably more ad lib than we think. Actually, they probably the scriptwriters probably aren't earning their corn here. Perry Fennick probably in his element. I mean, that was the biggest surprise to me that all those people were still in it. Alfie Moon and what's his name, Perry Fennick. What's the bloke's name, Billy Mitchell? Yeah. They're all still there. So they're probably seasoned World Cup blaggers. They've probably been blagging World Cup scenes for thirty years, so they yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah, I Just, mean, aren't they aren't they football fans? hasn't Hasn't Shane Ritchie done like sort of Christmas compilation videos and stuff? Mm. Fenix definitely a sort of soccer AM light entertainment big West Ham fan if you need a football fan he's done that he's done that yeah. circuit a oh, lot he's yeah. Yeah. yeah just the just the right amount of detail in that scene listeners may remember one of our granular moments last week where we were talking about why certain commentators say and striker X has got his goal mm. and we and, and it was a really worthwhile conversation Dave about about when a, a certain player would earn that kind of moment uh, well, um, I think I think we got it just about right didn't we we got to the bottom of it didn't we we did yeah I think the general consensus was for anyone who hasn't heard the episode is that it is generally something you'd say of a person who 
scores lots of goals. You would expect right. him to score. Mm. So it's it's his goal. Narrative driven. Yeah. Um, Mere just days after that, this is Adrian Charles on Five Live on Friday talking about the language of football at the World Cup. Have you, have you noticed also this use of his now? We have, um, I mean, I think people always used to say, oh, he plays his football for Eintracht Frankfurt. But now now people, it's always, he gets his goal. You know, will Kane get his goal? Yes. That's sort of come into the language, I think, in we, the last 20 remember years. Remember David Alan Shearer getting his yellow? Yes. <laughs> yes. Stealing our stuff. It did go out after our podcast went up, didn't it? So Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, coincidence is just... Insane, James. Well, the sort of that sort of level of football discourse appearing in two different places. I can't believe it. I'm not suggesting anything untoward. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, you know, pleasantly amazed that these two conversations happened. Um, to provide a twist in this tale, just just to make it clear, I'm not accusing anyone of stealing ideas. Um, those voices you could hear were authors David Woodhouse and John Lee, authors of Football Lexicon, which came out in 2004, before football cliches even existed. There we go. The OGs. The OGs, indeed. Um, would love to get them on chinwag with them yeah um, I mean personally I've moved the discourse on but, um, but <laughs> I'd be interested to see their um, their entry level um, observations on um, uh, next up I uh, can't prove this quote existed but who am I to doubt Albi Celeste talk because uh, they tweeted after the Argentina Australia game Dave that Leo Messi said I found out today it was my thousandth match <laughs> Is this the ultimate? <laughs> no. Is this the ultimate one of the lads in the dressing room told me? Really? What a load of rubbish. Surely not. Yeah. I mean, regardless of whether he is or isn't a rampant egotist, James, in a kind of Ronaldo mould, there's just been too much content out there. If anything, this is an SEO failure from Leo Messi. I mean, there's just no chance a journalist hasn't mentioned it to him earlier in the tournament, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just impossible. Yeah. There's no way he doesn't know. There was already enough chat about his 999th game for him not to know. Complete rubbish. What? But... The upshot of all of this, Dave, is why would any player sort of refuse to ex- refuse to admit that he they knew about this fairly straightforward landmark? I mean, yeah, it's not exactly, humble, is it? No, unless you do take him at face value and he genuinely doesn't know. But it does seem really bizarre, and it, I can sort of you you can understand certain players when asked this question, like when it's like, oh, that you know that was your that was your tenth uh, goal on Boxing Day or something, or I mean, some sort of something that's a bit bit a bit obscure, a bit tenuous, fine. But like number of games, do players surely you just sort of it's a thousand. Dave. You'd look at you'd look You're at the end know. of every season and tot it up, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Furthermore, James, there's a kind of sports psychology element to this because if he only found out that day, and we're talking presumably hours before kickoff, that this was the thousandth game of his career, I reckon he'd be a little bit rattled if this was complete news to him. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, uh, he is one of those players that breaks a record in pretty much, or sets a record in pretty much every game, right? Yeah, you know, maybe just, he's just bored of it. That's just the scale of the numbers. That I, I find it impossible to believe that at some point he hasn't kind of looked. He's, he's got a spreadsheet. He's got come on. He's got a spreadsheet. He must have a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. He's got it absolutely. all on there, and he would have he would have noticed that his one thousandth game was going to be during the World Cup. He would Google noticed. Calendar. And one yeah. million percent, his people yeah. would have been aware, but across all this stuff, for yeah. sure. Just a load of rubbish. A load of rubbish. Yeah. Um, next up, Dave, Matthias Honish gets in touch and says, I was refereeing an intramural futsal match at my university this weekend. And when player X fouled player Y, he chastised player Y by saying, you've made a meal of that. <laughs> Surely he's made a meal of that is reserved only for commentators. I have to agree. Hearing that out loud on any form of football pitch um, doesn't doesn't thrill me. Yeah. Come on, mate. You made a meal of that, you hadn't you? You made a meal of that? It's, yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of thing you would expect to hear in a football match in EastEnders, to be fair. That's what Harry <laughs> Fennick would say yes. to that alphabet. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yes, absolutely <laughs> right. Um, right, now on to classic football sounds in a uh, rather incongruous context. Here is Saffron from Republica singing Ready to Go before Netherlands versus USA. <laughs> two sides to this uh james i mean the, the sound itself is just incredibly low key uh, almost to the point where I was, you have to wonder whether it was really worth flying out saffron from republica who has a, a very important day job working in mental health as well wow. on the okay. front line of nhs services to sing ready to go before two countries who now aren't really massively familiar with the song um the other side of it is that watching the video of this is just seeing the groundspeople <laughs> going about their business the sprinklers are on loads of media staff on the other side of the advertising hoarding sort of getting all their gear ready it had the look of a sound check really yeah. and i suppose it, it probably sounded better if you were there in the stadium and hearing it with your own ears with this the, the speakers and everything rather than it being recorded off someone's phone but yeah, very very Weird, like she's not even on the pit, sort of like the side of she's in like the position where yeah. Laura Woods talks to Karen Carney before yeah. the matches on ITV. It's not like even in the that, center circle, yeah. I guess the sprinklers were on, so that would have been even worse, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, dear. not exactly the Super Bowl halftime show. So, have you done the so this the song wasn't popular in either of those countries? It's just a complete left field. That's a, that's a, that's a very, very good question. Let's find out because um, the Wikipedia page for this sort of thing is usually very informative when it comes to European chart positions. So let's find out. Ready to go, Republica song. They could just be fans of England internationals from the late 90s and early 2000s on Sky Sports. Okay. Hit number 19 in the Netherlands. That's not bad. 56 on the US Billboard what, Hot 100. And how, where did it get to in the UK? 43. I reckon only 43. Wow. I would have said top 10. Wow. That's a joke. It's an absolute banger. Got to number 14 in the Canadian dance slash urban chart, um, and that's the best it did. Oh, no, actually, no, it got to number eight on the Belgian Ultra Tip Flanders chart. <laughs> I take it all back about the UK chart listing. It actually got to number 13. Okay. Yeah, that, that feels more appropriate, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It, well, it's not a number one, is it? I mean, it's no. too cult to be but number one. But would have got a lot of radio play in that time, and I reckon would have found itself firmly in the middle of a whatever number now, and that's what I call music. Yeah, 100%. That was out. It's a very good in the sort of poppy, rocky sort of sweet spot mm. right in there that it's acceptable to sort of guitar people, but also it's poppy enough to be. In the organiser's defence, there may have been a few US fans who would have known about this. Um, it's used. It was used as the intro for the 99 season um, of kart racing on ABC. It's been used in advertisements by Denver, Colorado's tourism board. <laughs> That's not what you need to hear. Uh, Boston Red Sox play this before every game at Fenway Park. Oh, there we go. And uh, the royalties keep ticking on in for Saffron. Yeah. The Washington Capitals ice hockey team play it before the third period of their home games at Capital One Arena. <laughs> <laughs> Just the right time to play, ready to go by Republica. So um, I, I take everything back I said about this being low key. It was a bang on decision. Do you know what we haven't done for a while? For my sins corner. Seeing as the World Cup is hotting up, let's time for a bit of competitive action on the Football Cliches podcast. James, have you ever played uh, For My Sins Corner before? 
Uh, I have once, yes. Did you win? I think it was a stalemate with uh, with Dave, actually. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, well, this is like um, the second instalment of a heavyweight boxing clash then, because it's, this is a great for my sins corner. Um, to recap on the rules, I'm going to play you a clip from popular culture. Someone will utter the eternal words for my sins. All you need to do is simply shout that phrase out at the very moment you think it's going to be uttered. This is from listener Christian who pointed me in the direction of uh, Bargain Hunt at the weekend. Here we go. But that's all coming up later. First, it's time to meet our teams. And today we've got Mark and Sharon, a married couple. And we have Anita and Catherine, mother and daughter. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to Bargain Hunt. Reds, I'll come to you first. Now, you met when you were 15. How long have you been married now? Been married 35 years. Congratulations. That's no mean feat. Listen, brass tacks, we're here on Bargain Hunt. What's the strategy? You're in charge, I think, Sharon. Yes. Of the um, money. Of the money. Personally, I'm looking for pottery or, or particularly silver. I'm looking for pigs as well for my sister. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, perhaps some gold or silver. Out of the blue. I mean, of all it the things was. they discussed there, you wouldn't expect for my uh, pigs for my sins. Yeah, I mean, looking for mind. pigs for my sins. Um, yeah, it did. It threw me a bit because they went straight into bargain hunt strategy as opposed to what do you do in your what do you do in your your life sort yeah. of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Good one. For My Sins Corner, firmly now in its kind of Italian 90 era, sort of attritional play. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to be sort of drafted in to try and work out how to jazz up For My Sins Corner, turn it into a more of a spectacle for the paying customer. See how that turns out. Important question from Les Cal. This is not something I'd ever considered in a World Cup context before, James. He says, at the start of France versus Poland, the commentator said Poland beat France in the 1982 World Cup third place playoff. And that was Poland's last win in a knockout game. Surely the third place playoff is not a knockout game, as both had already been knocked out in the semi-finals. It's true, isn't it? Yeah, you, if there's no progress to be made, then it's not... You, you have, they haven't knocked the France out, have they? They've beaten them in what is effectively a friendly. There's, there's no knockout element involved. Well, I mean, more importantly, Dave, they have already been knocked out. So this leaves the third place playoff as a completely unclassifiable game. But it does make me fear that there are there must be stats out there that include third place playoffs in knockout game contexts. And they all have to be rewritten because it's all bollocks, isn't it? All bollocks. 100%. It, it, it should be classed as a, an exhibition, really, I think. It's not, it is not a knockout match. As, as James has rightly said, it is not a knockout match. You've been knocked out. You cannot progress. It is the loser's plate. You're not going to get FIFA to admit that it's a non-competitive game. I, I reckon FIFA would, would consider it a knockout game. That's what I fear. Because you are essentially... I mean, James, you are kind of knocking someone down to fourth place while you take third for yourself. Third place is a, is a reasonable deal at the World Cup. It's considered a thing, isn't it? So it's not a game of complete insignificance. No, it is. I disagree. You don't think finishing no... third at a World Cup is of any... Well, it's not the Olympics. There's no podium, is there? It's not like no. you go up at the end and you're clearly in third place. I don't think anyone really. Did, is there a thing at the end there? Uh, is there a little presentation? Do they do? do they yeah, get anything? They get, I think they do bronze get bronze medal. medals. Yeah, I think they do. Right, but, I mean, who, who wants one of those? But then, yeah. do you get a silver medal if you if you're the runners up? You, you just get, get a medal. Runners up medal, yeah. Yeah, it's not, you've seen those before, haven't you? Yeah, but it should be. Is it silver? I don't know. If, if you've got a bronze one, yeah. then weird not to have a silver. Yeah, definitely. I woke that one with bated breath. Elsewhere at France versus Poland, the most ludicrous pre-kickoff countdown man of all. Listen to this guy's voice. It's absurd. The countdown to kickoff is on. (laughs) 
the French get us underway. Let's get ready to get ready. That's basically what he said, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You can't do let's get ready. Let's get ready to count down. Just count. Just start counting. It's important to get everyone start on the same number. But, um, but it's just a sort of weird sort of pan-European accent to him, James. But with a hint of sort of menace about it. I don't know, like he should be presenting Fort Boyard or something. Was it pan-European? I thought it sounded quite American. It sounded like quite boxing, like UK yeah, yeah, boxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, perhaps maybe like the the kind of guy who was doing the announcements during the underground unsanctioned fights in the film Kickboxer. I think that might be it. Sort of in, in a sort of a badly dubbed over bloke in a Bruce Lee film, maybe saying, and "Next up, fighting. Next, <laughs> five, four, three. Two, one. It's very, just very, really strange. Um, I just don't understand why he needed to put on that voice. For so they have reason. different people for each stadium, then? I, I'm sure they do. Mm. Can't just be, can't be sort of a Michael Buffer figure. Let's find out who this man is. Yeah. Just like the Diana Ross goalkeeper, his name will be buried deep in some admin somewhere, and we will find it. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! That is Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Really, really enjoyed this during England versus Senegal. Uh, again, Dave, firmly filing this one under. We know exactly what he means. But here's Lee Dixon talking about the relative merits of Senegal. It is worth noting that, you know, there's, despite the scoreline looking very healthy now, it wasn't always the case. Senegal did have two great chances before England took the lead. The thing is, you're at World Cup, you're going to get under pressure. From any team full of internationals, you're going to get some pressure. (laughs) 
it's, again, it's just sort of a muscle memory thing to say, Dave, because you know, they're full of internationals. It's just a thing you say. And then, well, yeah. it doesn't work international level, does it? <laughs> no. But, but, it, but it still yeah. kind of pads it out, doesn't it? It does work, yeah. You're full of, full of World Cup level players. Yeah, yeah. And you flip it to be, I mean, this wouldn't work in this instance, but could you flip it to be like full of Champions League level yeah. players? Maybe? Full of Premier League players. Or Premier League players, sort yeah. Sort of. Yeah, that would work. Mm. Yeah, but I still think full of internationals is still it still just about gets there, just about gets over the line. Uh, I wonder if it rang alarm bells in his head. Uh, we must talk about England's sensation, Jude Bellingham, James. The name on everybody's lips right now. Big question for you though is: at what point will it stop being hard to believe he's only nineteen and become easy to forget that he's only nineteen? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, one, one more game. I reckon one or two more games that we're into easy to easy to forget. He's only nineteen territory. I think one of them suggests you genuinely would forget or would not realise, and the other suggests that obviously you wouldn't. Yeah, but it becomes so ingrained in our consciousness how old he is that then it becomes. Easy well, it's like to the forget. prefix. It's the prefix to his name, basically. Nineteen-year-old Drew Bellingham, almost, yeah. isn't it? It's like he's. It, it, the thing he's most famous for is being 19. At what age? What's the maximum age, Dave, that you can it become easy to forget that a player is? I think sort of 21, 22? No older than that. Easy to forget. He's only 26. I can't remember who the com- co-commentator was off the top of my head, but it was on BBC for the France-Poland game. Mm-hmm. When Mbappe scored his second goal, the co-commentator said to Robin Cowan, and what is he, 22, 23? So there was still confusion around that mark. But I, th- I think once you get to 24, it you're into the mid-range there. Yeah. You're not in your early 20s anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite a good point because I had genuinely forgotten when when that was said on commentary that he was only 23. Mm. Because I couldn't get my head around him only being 19 at the last World Cup. Yeah, same. That does actually stack up. Yeah. I don't think think of him as a teenager. Presumably this comes back round at the end of a career as well, right? It's like it's easy to forget that he's 37 or whatever. Well, it's easy to forget he's old... I don't know. Yeah. I don't think like that, a player. Don't... Who, you feel like a player who's thirty-seven and playing really well. well I'm not having I, that. No, I'm you've gone too it. old. You've gone too old. I think. I think what it is, it's say for Harry. Is Harry Kane thirty? He's in that twenty-nine, thirty. So I think it's. We should remember. He's he's nearly thirty. But what what he, context start, are you using that? He's not got many years left. We're talking about Harry Kane. You know, he's got. He's only maybe got one more contract in him. But it's not easy to forget. You can't can't use that for the upper limit of ages. I think I think it, I think it can be easy to forget that a player who is is still like Kane, demonstrably in his prime and yeah. still doing competing at the highest level, is getting older. It'd be his last World Cup. All right. Now the ITV curse, James, took a huge blow with what turned out to be a, a fairly routine win for England in the end. Very impressive stuff. Uh, I'm not saying ITV were worried about this supposed curse, but then. Um, the programme on after the game was it'll be all right on the night, which oozes <laughs> something we can easily get rid of if the football goes to extra time, doesn't it? It wasn't even a new one. It was like three episodes ago. Rubbish. Uh, yeah, because when I first saw you say this last night, I thought, I just ima- I just assumed that they they dug up a, an archive episode with Dennis Norden. Um, it, I mean, it's still, it's still cool. Definitely qualifies as something we can get rid of, yeah. but I mean, yeah, it's not perhaps not quite as extreme as I initially thought, but yeah, no. that's definitely why it's there. Surely, that's yeah. real schedule filler, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, more worrying scenes over on the radio, though. James Stuart Oadali writes in says someone on a phone in just said Football Nation in the same sense that Football Club gets used. He's the future. He's the future of this Football Nation. Not having that, he <laughs> says. I don't want to. We can't transpose earnest chat to international level like that. It doesn't work. I really like that. Football Nation. Do you not like that? I think that's great. 
football nation. It just gives it just has a real resonance that it it's sounds... a national team. Yeah. This national team, this national football team national. of ours. This is, a, this is a proud national team. Nah, football nation. This football it's so much nation. more grandiose. It's brilliant. This is okay. this is fu- funny. Funny you've brought this up actually, because right. over the weekend, um, a friend of mine from university sent round uh, a screenshot that he'd gone back through the Facebook archives and found from 2008 when I was uh, watching England fail to qualify for Euro 2008 when they lost to Croatia at Wembley. And I posted this, like, ridiculous, really badly written, drunken rant about how pathetic England were and right. blah, blah, blah. And, I, and one of the sort of closing lines in that was I said, when are we going to start taking national football seriously again? <laughs> national <laughs> it's, football. It just doesn't work. It's not right, is it? National, it's international We have football. missed a step here. What is national football? National football is like, um, that's like the FA Council. It is the FA Cup, it? isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's like, no, no, it's yeah. Like, no, it's lower than that. It's like those, those, oh. the, the guys that preside over like the amateur game. Right. At the FA, that's like the national, the national game. game. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah, playing across a country, but not beyond its borders is national. Yeah. Mm. But not domestic because that's that's a league. Yeah. Interesting. Great question from from Sam here. He says, "What are the components of an and all that?" The commentator for Argentina versus Australia referred to the 1978 one as Mario Kempes and all that. I find the thing X and all that much easier to come up with for 1966 to 1998. We haven't had an and all that since 98, have we? But first of all, what qualifies for an and all that, Dave? I mean, what what's what level are you pitching it? Is it like a, a tournament-wide story for a, for a team or a player? I think you could have, for 2010, you could say, you know, the Vuvuzelas and all that. That was like the most notable thing, right, about the sort of mise-en-scene of the tournament. 2010, the Vuvuzelas and all that. Or, sure you know, the Lampard's, Lampard's disallow goal and all that. And all that. <laughs> What's the know. ultimate and all that, James? The only one I can really ever think that you hear regularly is 66 and all that. Which obviously is just, and all that. Well, obviously it's just a year of the tournament. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a specific element, like, like a cultural element like the Vuvuzelas. It's like a tournament-wide equivalent of saying a game that's had everything, James. Sorry, what, so what is 98 then? I don't think yeah. 1998 qualifies for Andal. But, but I thought you said they, people say that. Ronaldo not being on the team sheet and all that. No, it too needs specific. to start with the year, Dave. Yeah. You've got to, if, it, if it doesn't have a year at the start of it, it doesn't qualify. So it doesn't matter how many things you add. Yeah, but the, the first example didn't, did it? He just said Mary Kempers and all that. Oh, that's true, yeah. But um, yeah, that is also true. But you could have Euro 96 and all that. That's a good, that's a very solid all that. Is it though? I think it's too broad. Isn't that, wouldn't it be like Euro 96, colon, Southgate, penalty no, miss and all that? Is that too much? The name of the tournament is evocative enough. And then you throw in an and all that, which implies yeah. that lots of stuff, good and bad, happened to mm-hmm. one specific nation. I don't think it's a tournament wide thing. I think it has to happen to a very specific country and their story arc for the tournament james that's fair right okay so we're assuming this is, this is a phrase only being used in that country about that country it's not so you we wouldn't say that about say france in 98 we wouldn't say 98 and all that about, yeah we wouldn't say usa 94 and all that just wouldn't you wouldn't say it and all that implies something dramatic that continually happened to one country at a tournament that I is not- i genuinely think i've only ever heard it about 66 okay. i don't ever heard it about any other tournament. i think you're right but you are you get you are getting away from what the original question here. The commentator did not say 1978 and all that. He okay. said, "Oh, and of course, in 1978 it was Mario Kempes and all that." <laughs> so I think you do need something. You, you can't just say for any tournament. Oh well, yeah, you know, 1958 and all that. Like, 
what? <laughs> Tell me the things. No, I suppose you're right. I suppose a bit of extra context doesn't harm, but it is a very, very grey area. I'm, I'm going to be very much on and all that watch for the rest of this tournament. Here's a niche question for you, Dave. Joe Ganderson says, what kind of sound makes for an ideal backing track to a forthcoming on our channel fixture list? I can quibble with some things about ITV's coverage of the World Cup, but Beck's Where It's At is inspired. What sort of music is it? It has to be instrumental, presumably. I'm just trying to think of that. Jangly guitars, but in a kind of fairly dramatic way. You know, there's been a couple of moments during this tournament where I really want to Shazam the music that's being played over, you know, here's what we've got for you tomorrow. But the fucking mm. presenter's talking over it. It won't work. Mm. Some bits of magic bangers on the BBC. One of the great things Soccer AM did, wasn't it? Famously, where they put all the little, they put the name of the song at the Should bottom do. of the screen. Yeah. yeah, it's important. I find a lot of my good music from incidental moments on TV, James. Where's the service for the people like me? No, that is fair. What, what, so give me some examples of some music that you've got into through uh, football then. Feels um, like you must have some. Uh, I can tell you that I, um, over the last about six months or so, I realised that uh, Goals on Sunday, when they used to put the league tables up, were playing uh, Sacrilege by Yeah Yeah Yeahs. And it took me fucking ages to figure out who it was and who it was by. Years later, I finally added it to my Spotify playlist. Sort of a plingy little electric guitar at the, um, riff at the start, which is really good. And But it suited league tables on goals on Sunday, so stuff like that, but yeah. Public service broadcasting. They pop up quite a lot, don't they? Yeah, War on Drugs has been used at least twice on ITV, separate songs, Um it's good, it's good, though, Dave, when you know that someone has put some thought into the music and they just happen to have the same taste as you. It's a, it's a warming moment. Yeah, I, it's the sort of job that you could do, I think. In, if you, if you'd not, you, know, you did your TV listings. It's like yeah. one step up from that, isn't it? Yeah. Is that a very specific self-contained job? Um, just that? Mu- just I, well, that? I think definitely like music consultant for, for, for like TV programmes is a class, thing. class, wouldn't it? I know people but, that have done that job, yeah. Great job. Um, you probably can't do it just for World Cups. You probably have to do more than like four weeks work a year. Oh, that's four weeks work every four years, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. probably not gonna, enough to keep you going. But um, but James, it's lots of made... tournaments all year round. Afcon, Top yeah, of America, true. do it all. Olympics, yeah, all sorts of championships. The swimming, athletics, yeah, as yeah, maybe maybe it could be one for me. Um, but James, it, I've suddenly realised though, this has not been a good tournament, or a bit. It's been a you know fairly middling tournament for. Uh, Montages. I don't think we've seen a good one yet, have we? That's a good point, actually. There was Maybe a weird... we're at the stage where they start to bear fruit. Maybe there was quite a weird one on the on the BBC because they had the penultimate group of the group stage. So the games that won in the afternoon on the last day of the group stage, but there were still games in the evening. So mm. they did their montage at the end of the group stage, but it was all like explicitly. But there were still two, still two games to go. But the whole thing was caveated with nearly the end of the group stage. Did kind of undermine the whole point of it. That's a, that's a slightly odd montage to do, really. I suppose, but I suppose it has been a particularly uh, dramatic group stage. But I think, yeah, I think we've now got a we're now approaching a stage where quarterfinals are up soon. We've got enough of a bank of material to do England's four games. Yeah, you'll get a good montage pre um, England v France. You'll get a good Mbappe montage. You know, There's not been any peril thing. for England though. I think it, it lacks that kind of Guy Mowbray going, "Oh no." Well, maybe no, not really. But I suppose there, there might be a little bit of uh, the nil-nil against USA. Might be some frustrated looks on players' faces after they miss chances or something. Yeah, or, maybe. I just, I I don't, don't think we're close to having our the national England versus Colombia moment just yet. Um, time's ticking on, and uh, as far well, as it could I, be it as well. The next montage we see could be "Stop Crying Your Heart Out" 
Mm. England are going home montage. And a, a bit of industry insider knowledge. The guy who did, who famously put together the national montage for England versus Columbia, no longer works for the BBC. He's flown the nest. Who oh. have they got? Could be a fallow period. The golden generation has gone. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be delighted to hear you saying this. Anyway, I want to end today's episode on a very troubling subject for me. Um, the state of Brazilian player names. There was an extended golden era for Brazilian player names, James. The sort of names that you aspired to as a kid. You might add a sort of suffix on the end of your name while you were playing football just to, to make yourself feel glamorous. And then, then we entered a sort of worrying period of simply single names that could have been used in Guess Who? Your Freds, your Bernards, that sort of Joe. thing. Yeah, a, a rubbish period. But um, we a bit now... hard, though, really. No one's ever calling him Bernard. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> but Toby Irvin has got in touch, Crystal Palace fan. He was at the Crystal Palace versus Botafogo friendly the other day, which is interesting enough in its own right. He said he thinks he's found the perfect Brazilian footballer. Tricky left winger without much end product. Unnecessarily high shirt number, 47 in this case. Bleach blonde hair, dazzling orange boots. And best of all, now James, his full name was Jefferson Ruan Pereira dos Santos. Do you know what he's commonly known as? Jefferson yeah, Ruan Pereira dos Santos. It's almost like they've combined the two eras. Jeffrey. Because, no, they've combined the two eras of Brazilian player names and come up with this. Jeffinho. <laughs> <laughs> the sort oh, of nickname God. you'd give a bloke in an office. Oh, what a stag dude. I mean, right, that is... Jeffinho. <laughs> oh, here he is. Jeffinho. <laughs> here he is. All right, Jeffinho. <laughs> You cannot have an actual Brazilian footballer called Jeffinho. They've run out of names. That's the sort of name that nickname that you get given to one of one of your dads who plays in the five a side league when they they when and they, they have it on when, the back of their shirt. No, but they well. dare. Yeah. They, they say they dare to do two stepovers or something. <laughs> oh, all right, Jeffinho. Oh, look, look, yeah, look at Jeffinho over there. <laughs> I can't take this. Up and coming Brazilian footballer, seriously, I'm afraid. Um, and, and that's all I've got to say about it. A fine adjudication panel today. Thanks to you, James Moore. Thank you. Thanks to you, David Walker. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back later in the week. Cheerio. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favourite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.